Hello, everybody. Jesse Shrek with Practical Missions Cohort, serving as the on-field director and a missionary church planter. And uh, today we have a particular uh, update, which has to do with a, a question and an answer, a Q&A. So this is a question that somebody wrote in to us, uh, just out of curiosity, on the mission field here in Italy. How does it work? They ask, uh, how do you do family worship or family devotion? So what does that look like for you guys? And uh, important for all of us as Christians to have a good comprehension of how we do family worship or devotions. And uh, so we'll share from our experience as pioneering missionaries what that looks like and we have some things here that i'm sure can be helpful for you as well as two book recommendations so stay tuned till the end to hear those book recommendations okay so uh, how do you guys do family worship uh, on the mission field? Uh, I just want to say from the very beginning, before i get into what we do as a family, how we do this personally, etc. and uh, uh it is very important. I just want to I want to state that it's an absolutely fundamental part of Christian living, especially when you're sacrificing your lives as missionaries on the field, pioneering nonetheless. So you can imagine yourself in the middle of the jungle trying to reach a tribe. Uh, if you're not having this kind of regular practice, easy, you can be led astray, drift away, die off, wither, or be just simply unfruitful, disconnected, let's say, from the vine. Uh, you just don't bear fruit. And so there's throughout history, there's been a lot of, uh, there's been a common practice, uh, family devotions, family worship, things like this in the household, uh, the Christian households. In our time, it's kind of a lost thing and uh, it needs to be recaptured, re-understood and properly applied. Uh, and, and our world would be a different place if all Christian families were doing something like this. Now, so very important, I'll say a couple things about that, but also the reality here to understand is I grew up in a not, not in a Christian home, so I was not uh, doing anything like this all my life, and uh, I saw a couple different Christian families, but not many uh, applying this, living this out, each in their own way, and uh, but haven't really had any good uh, uh, examples given to me, so I read a couple books, and two of them I'd recommend, very, very good, and uh, our, our friends in, in New York, I've seen them do this in their home, uh, Brother Caleb and, and Ashley, they do a good job, uh, but there's not many who actually apply this, and it's very important. Uh, so I'll share with you my experience. We're in a learning process. We've been doing this as a family now for the last uh, about year or so, uh, as we're, our, our child is now at that age where he's comprehending things, and we're able to really uh, apply this and get into it. And I'll share a couple practical points for doing uh, devotions of this sort, family worship, in, in your home as well. Uh, so Again, very important, especially when you're pioneering missioning. Easily, if uh, if you're not self-feeding, uh, number one, you will absolutely wither. You won't bear much fruit. And that's true for all Christians all the time. We always need to learn how to self-feed. We can't depend on pastors coming to us, mentors coming to us, discipling us. Uh, we have to learn how to feed ourselves the Word of God, to understand it, to interpret Scripture, to apply Scripture to our lives, and actually be diligent enough to say, okay, that's what it means, the text. That's how it applies to me. And then the, this step is always the one that's missing. And here's how I'm going to actually apply it in a way that I can observe and, and, and be accountable to and look back and see, did I actually do this or not? Uh, so there, there's some stuff too that you need to understand how to self-feed and, and, and apply the word to your life. And that's a part of being a discipleship that often gets overlooked as well today. Very important. Uh, but that's for another uh, conversation. Uh, we can't expect others to disciple us. And we can't, in this sense, especially on the mission field, and we can't expect others, especially on the mission field, to disciple our children. Now, already we understand this in some degree in the States. If you send your kids off to public school, they're going to be taught all kinds of lies. The earth is millions of years old, uh, all this and uh, wrong teaching from the very beginning about how this world even came into being. And they make try to make Christians look like fools when the opposite is true. The Bible says those who uh, say there is no God, they are fools and they suffocate the truth. Romans 1. Uh, these are truths that Christians need to understand. And uh, But 
we need to take full responsibility as Christians to disciple our kids. Uh, we can't expect others to do that. And we know that very well because on the mission field, there just is nobody else that could do it in the first place. Christian schools for kids doesn't exist. Homeschooling isn't an option. Uh, so you have to be diligent in this, uh, what I call a discipline of family worship, family devotions, to make sure on a consistent basis, uh, your own kids are being saturated with the gospel, understanding scripture, on. Un- understanding how to uh, interpret scripture, how to apply scripture, hermeneutics, all this. They just see it and experience it day by day, and they see the living word of God uh, lived out. Uh, So we can't expect others to do that. And the other thing I want to note here is uh, this is a normal Christian practice. I already mentioned that, though. And uh, it's been lost, unfortunately. It needs to be rediscovered in our day. And uh, so hopefully, uh, if this is something that you're interested in, uh, you can begin applying yourself, if you're not already, uh, some of these things that we're going to share today. Uh, So how do we go about uh, family worship in a practical way? Uh, How do we do this? How do we do this in our house? Uh, as missionaries in our text, uh, basically uh, three to four nights a week is kind of the, the standard I set at this phase of our life uh, to not uh, uh, have it be too much and then uh, it becomes distasteful, but to be always fresh to three or four nights of the week at the dinner table. We will, uh, when we're done eating, so we're already happy and, and good, good conversation has already happened like normal, uh, we then uh, gather around and I'll open up the Word of God. Now, before I get to this point, I'm not just randomly opening the Bible. I'm not just, you know, sticking my finger on whatever page happens to, to open and trying to figure something out. I'm also, at the, other, at the same time, not going into some kind of crazy wild Bible study, you know, where you got to do all this crazy stuff to prepare. I'm not following someone else's agenda, some kind of program, some kind of thing. Simply out of my own personal devotional time, morning or before I go to bed, uh, I have a practice of meditating upon Scripture uh, uh, in, in, in a Christian sense of meditation. So uh, there's usually each day at least one particular verse that really captures my heart where the Lord would speak to my heart, and I'll make sure to write that one down. And I'll mark it up a little bit, leave some comments, even my little prayer, how I would respond to that or apply that. And uh, I'm meditating that on that throughout the day. So even at lunchtime, I'll, I'll pull out that verse as much as I can, and I'll look over it again and imagine what it's like, lived out what that actually that scene may have looked like uh, when it was uh, when it actually happening or whatever it might be, depending on what part of uh, scripture this comes from. And uh, I'll read over my notes. And by the time I get to dinner, I've already been thinking about this verse. I've already been touched by this verse. I've been applied or this particular passage, if it's a passage. And uh, when it comes time, then I'll just put, pick one of those verses that have the Lord has spoken to my heart in that particular day or maybe the day before, depending on the situation. And I'll read that verse or I'll read that passage and expound it a little bit. Ask some questions. Get the child involved. Get the wife involved, uh, whoever's with us. And uh, we we talk about it a little bit. We hash it out. We we ask questions. And we arrive then, if depending how the Spirit guides, I always have my own personal uh, conclusion where I've arrived with this text, what I understand it to say and how that's applied to my situation. And uh, and I and I just expound that for us as well give an exhortation of sorts a challenge and uh, or even a loving rebuke if it serves it and uh and then I'll lead us in a time of prayer. So we'll ask, does anybody have any particular uh, request, something we can pray for? If there's anything on the on the subject or, or that needs prayer this particular day, it's a time for us to come together and pray on a daily basis for that thing. Uh, so in, in short, that's what it looks like for us. And then we, we so we close with a prayer and then uh, the one thing we're developing on, we want to begin uh, singing. Uh, for a while, we used to just, we always were singing in the house with the guitar and stuff like this throughout the day, even recording and sharing it. We've lost that a little bit because there was a season there where just there was no time and Jerry V with other responsibilities wasn't able to pick up the guitar as much. Even Cornelius at one point for a while didn't like mommy playing the guitar. That's all changed. So we're trying to re-pick that up. But we do have music that we listen to. We'll turn on a song, listen and sing along a little bit. And uh, for the rest of the evening, we'll have some songs playing as well. And that's in short what it looks like for us. So very, very basic. Um, 
but three or four nights a week. And then I'll say this also on Thursday night, it's just a standard thing. What we do is we have uh, already a prayer meeting in the house. We have a prayer meeting. So Thursday night, I won't do anything at the dinner table apart from us eating and so on. And, uh, and then after dinner, we all know at a certain point, there's going to be uh, a prayer meeting. We actually do that. And we hope and we pray also in the future to see other people joining us as soon as COVID permits gatherings again and stuff in our area. Uh, but we want to begin gathering others to join us for this time of prayer as well. So that's a standard thing Thursday night for us. And I'll bring another again. I'll open up a passage, read a few verses to point us towards the Lord in our time of prayer, focus on a spe- uh, specific thing or aspect uh, in our calling to live for the Lord and so on. But we have that extended prayer time on Thursday nights. So again, three to four nights, though, at the table each week, we try to do a family devotion uh, with that as our guide. Uh, Now, a couple suggestions, I would say, some practical suggestions if you're starting out with this. uh, Before I go ahead and share uh, two books that I would highly recommend that I think are very good to to help you in this area, or even if you've been doing this a long time, it's still, they have good suggestions in their books as well for how you can improve or do things differently, perhaps. Uh, But the first thing I would say uh, to be practical about this uh, and the importance of it is uh, you got to keep it simple. Uh, so, like I said, share from your own personal devotion, your own time in Scripture. If you're not saturated yourself in the Word, this is going to be really hard for you. You're going to have a hard time trying to to lead something. Or if you're borrowing somebody else's experience with the Lord and trying to share that, that'll kind of flop over time as well. Uh, so share from your own personal devotions. And keep it simple. And don't be too complicated. Uh, uh, if it's too complicated, it's no good. That means uh, it'll become hard for you after a while, become tedious, and you'll just have to push it aside and abandon it. Like most good things, if you exercise, you want to get a good exercise program. If you set up this wild, extravagant thing, you'll end up giving up on exercise. It'll just be too much work. It's not worth it. Whereas if you just put it out throughout your day, different forms of exercise, and you make it a regular thing, it's not too hard. Whatever your program might be, you're more consistent, more likely to stay at it in the long run. Uh, so yeah, if it's too complicated, it won't get done. It, that's no good. Uh, keep it simple. Very important, I think. Uh, and you also got to think long-term. You got to think long-term saturation. Uh, that's one of the key things I took away from some of the books I've read on this topic, and, and I can imagine it's definitely true. Uh, if you're trying to impact your kids and, and give them a solid foundation, but you go all out and go wild thinking it's all going to happen right away and this is going to be miraculous and awesome, uh, you're in for a surprise. Uh, what seems to make the most sense is you got to think long-term. I got 18 years, maybe 20 with these kids. Uh, each of them before they're off uh, studying, doing their own university program, whatever it might be, or, or getting into their calling, vocation. And uh, that's that's valuable time you have with them. And uh, you need to capitalize on that. But realize it just in the day-to-day, them being exposed consistently to the Word of God in profound yet simple ways, seeing how it applies to life, seeing then... Uh, it, you, you pray that they would also meet the Lord, know the Lord personally too, and begin seeing how this applies to everyday situations, how the Lord is using all these things. Uh, you got to think long-term. So just don't underestimate, I guess is what I'm saying, the the simple, regular routine of doing something like this in the long run has big, big benefits. When they're off being taught nonsense at a secular university maybe, or when they're in the world doing the vacation, encountering all kinds of heathens, let's say, uh, and bombarded with things that might challenge their faith, they have a solid saturation. They, they have a good understanding of the Word of God, how to understand it, how to apply it to life, and so on. Uh, so you got to think long-term. And, and the last uh, practical application here, I would say, or tip, would be uh, you and your spouse, you need to be agreed on the value of this practice, and then you just commit to it, like a discipline, like any other discipline, Bible reading, prayer, whatever it might be, church attendance, everything. Uh, you just commit and make a discipline and seek God's help to do it. And, and he does help you. He wants to help you. He wants your children to be saturated. He wants your home to be a, a proper beacon of light, a Christian 
uh, uh, it's like a mini church in the world. It's a beacon of light to all your neighbors and everyone else where they see authentic Christian living. They meet the living God through you and your family and so on. Uh, but you have to be agreed on that. If, if one spouse wants to do it and the other one doesn't, it's going to be a constant conflict at the dinner table. It's not going to work out so well. And I suppose this would be a challenge for those who have one spouse is a believer, the other's not. This could be very, very complex. And I would invite, I would say you have to just prayerfully consider what is the best way you can maintain something like this on a somewhat consistent basis that would take prayer and God's help. Uh, but I'm, I'm confident it can be done as well. So yeah, the three practical tips there then would be keep it simple. Don't get nuts. Uh, uh, think long-term and the saturation idea. Yeah, this is over, you got so many years only with your kids. You want to make the most of it and just Remember, God is doing his work in the everyday stuff. And then be agreed with your spouse on the value of it and then just commit to it as a discipline and seek God's help to apply that. Uh, so the, the two books that I mentioned that I wanted to recommend uh, that I think are very, very helpful and very good, good insight. One is titled uh, The Most Important Place on Earth by Robert Waldschmuth. Don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, the most important place on earth, though, you can look on it on uh, Amazon or something like this. I'll try to put it in the show notes uh, if I remember that. Great, great book. The most important place on earth, The Christian Home. Phenomenal. Great stuff there. Uh, unbelievable read. You got to read it. Very, very good. And uh, life-changing, especially for someone like me who didn't grow up in a Christian home, didn't experience these kinds of things. Very, very uh, uh, persuading uh, of the importance of this thing and how our homes are really the most important place on earth and uh, a beacon of light in our neighborhoods. And then A Neglected Grace is the other book I would recommend, A Neglected Grace by Jason Heropaulos. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but look for that book on Amazon too, A Neglected Grace. I'll try to put it in the show notes as well. Another phenomenal book, some very practical advice for how to uh, live this out. So again, the question, how do you guys do uh, family worship, etc.? cetera? Uh, those are some of the ways that we personally apply at this time of our life that could change uh, down the road, but it works pretty well so far. We're developing this, growing in this area, trying to keep it simple yet also fruitful. And uh, But as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, it is a very important thing, especially for missionaries and especially pioneering missionaries who don't have a good Christian context, Christian community where they are, uh, it's of utmost importance to have a solid Christian home and to be regularly in the Word, in prayer, and saturating your kids in the truth as well. Uh, otherwise, all kinds of terrible things could happen, and, and drifting, withering, dying off, uh, all kinds of uh, uh, unfruitful Christian living, and so on. So, you got you to gotta, uh, uh, see the value of it as missionaries especially, but I would say this is good for all of us Christians because all of us in a real sense, uh, lowercase m, missionaries, uh, we are, we're witnesses. We want to be bearing fruit. We want to be uh, a witness to our neighbors. We want to be uh, bringing the gospel, uh, preaching the gospel, showing the gospel, living it out, living according to the gospel. And uh, it's important that we have homes that, uh, that show the gospel and where people can come and also hear the gospel as well. Uh, so uh, I'll wrap up with that before I go too long, but uh, that's the question. That's the answer. And uh, that'll be it until uh, we have another question with another answer, which we do have a number of questions lined up in the pipe. I just have to get around to uh, recording them. So uh, thanks for tuning in today, guys. God bless you. And until the next time, ciao, ciao. The PMC Media Ministry exists to incorporate Christians into the Lord's mission of evangelism, discipleship, and church planning in Italy so others can flourish in Jesus' global mission whether they go or they stay. Thank you for being a part of the ministry. To learn more about what we do and how you can be involved, visit practicalmissions.org. 
If you like the podcast, we encourage you now to come on over and join us on the inside. If you love Jesus Christ, you love this podcast, you love the Italian people, you love the Church of Jesus Christ, it's the perfect place for you to meet other people and uh, see and understand more about the Italian culture and what is going on with Practical Missions Cohort in the Italian context. Look forward to seeing you over there. God bless.